what can you do to make every single reservation just be a little bit safer? Who cares what what marketplace it's on? Can you can you reach into you know all of the reservations of the world and just make them safer? And and so in, in November of 2013, that's when we switched our model from a marketplace to safely.com as we know it today, where our mission, any reservation that takes place, we just want to infuse a little bit more trust into it so that um, that the homeowner is more comfortable, it's a friction-free experience, and it's it's a better and safer experience. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. going on str nation welcome back to another short-term rental secrets podcast i'm your host mike Schroger, and here with my main man and brother from another mother mr emmanuel pani what is going on e my brother how are you today i'm good man i'm really good Thank it you. is 65 degrees outside it's beautiful and sunny and like this is just life man and uh i'm super excited i went to see i went to see a house for a potential like uh management client yesterday and and i get reminded every time i do that man i get reminded why i love doing what we do so much you know and also seeing people realize how much more money they can make from it oh like, yeah as you're sitting there you're showing them the data and and you're like okay this is what we can do and this is this and you have a beautiful house you did a great job this is what we can get you a month and they just look at you and they're like Wait, what did you say? I'm like, yeah. Oh, easily, you know? And probably will grow over the years as we keep getting reviews and everything else. Love it. I saw her again this morning at the gym with her husband. She's like, can you please tell him? Can you please tell him what you told me? Yes, sir, right? And this kind of like one of those things that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is real. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked and I just love it. Like, I'm just so grateful that this is what we do, you know? It's 100%. It's funny you say that. So one of the uh, one of the gentlemen that just joined the mastermind like a week and a half ago, within a week and a half, he landed his first co-host client. He's about to sign for a second, and he's he wants me to partner with him on this potential boutique hotel deal in Maine. I was like, man, talk about hitting the ground running! Like, I'm like awesome. it's a little bit much to chew off because he was looking at the hotel. I'm like, uh, you know, I can coach you through it, or I can partner with you on it, or something like that, but. You know, yeah. he, he hit the ground running fast. So it's always fun to see that, like, cause it's like that idea that like, oh, this is possible. And then it actually happens. And then it's like, wow, it, it's real. And then it's on. Yeah. Right. And exactly. that's just, it just becomes a game after that. Yeah, no. And then, and then I don't know what your feeling is, but I can really see a lot of opportunity in the air for 2021 for our industry in general, for the real estate market. And, and just for kind of going um, after what you want, I think it's, it's very, I don't know. The year feels very promising like this year I had. I don't know if I'm just like projecting my own personal wishes, but at the same time, that's kind of what life is anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and keep projecting my own wishes anyways, right? Like who cares? So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, 
I'm excited for today's guest. So <laughs> funny story, funny short story is we actually recorded this podcast last week with Andrew and I'll go through his bio in just a second. And the file got corrupted through Zoom or whatever. So kudos to Andrew for making some time so that we could re-record it because the episode was so good. I hope we can at least meet that, hopefully exceed how good it was last week. Uh, but today we have Andrew Bate with us. He is the co-founder and CEO of Safely.com. It's a tech-enabled data and insurance company that has protected over $40 billion of homeowner liability during their short-term rentals. Before founding Safely, Andrew was a senior researcher at both Emory University's Guzetta Business School and the Wharton School. His team's work was published in the Harvard Business Review, Neuropsychologia, Neuroleadership, and the Handbook of Neuroleadership. Prior to that, he was an analyst at McKinsey and Company, specializing in revenue management, distribution, and loyalty programs for the firm's travel practice. Andrews earned his BBA from Emory, Emory University and an MBA from the London School of Business, where he attended the Chinese University of Hong Kong on exchange. So without further ado, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Okay. Yeah, we're trying to make this better than last time when we start with the, the microphone not working. <laughs> all good. All good. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> Great. Thank you. It's cold here in Atlanta. Uh, oh. Almost record lows for a whole week. Oh, wow. Okay. Cold is, I find cold is relative. I'm, f- I'm from Boston, so cold well, is... Right. Is... I, we're not in Massachusetts. It's it's pretty warm <laughs> in comparison, <laughs> but colder than Florida. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you take us back to kind of the beginning of what got you into the short-term rental industry and what gave you the idea for Safely? Yeah, it, it really came from seeing some of my friends who are really, really smart people. They bought a second house. They loved it. They um, And then they ended up staying there one week, two weeks of the year, and the rest of the time it was empty. And, and I just couldn't get my head around how can such, like it's hard enough to buy a first home in our society. And then you get a second home and... And that's really, really hard. So you have to be kind of sophisticated and probably smart somehow. And and then all of a sudden, you just leave this asset that has so much value, just leave it sitting empty for 48, 50 weeks of the year. And that just hurt me, you know, in my in my soul. So I started studying. Um, I interviewed hundreds of homeowners and asked them, why, why are you letting um, this house sit empty. Why aren't you making some of that money? Why aren't you having that conversation with that PL statement? Because this is a really nice house. You're not using it. You can get three more homes if you could actually monetize this for the same carrying cost. And, and so it was really learning that the, the first need that a homeowner has before they're going to monetize that house is they need to feel comfortable with who's staying in their house and they know that they'll be taken care of if something goes wrong. And so that's how we got into insurance. We do data. We do background checks on each each guest who comes through our uh, through our system, and uh, we have a database of bad guests so that we can make sure that homeowner is feeling comfortable with that internet stranger staying in their house. Yeah, and I love that. And and I, what is funny is that we recorded the first time the episode before Thanksgiving, and then just after we recorded our episode, I had. My little sister brought over a friend of hers and they have a house on the other side of Florida. And that conversation came up right immediately. And I was like, Hey, how long do you guys use the house for? I'm like, I had a guy and he's like, he was saying that like most people ended up using it for like what a couple weeks out of the year and it ends up sitting empty. Right. 
Um, so you told us last time, what is the amount of money that is estimated that is kind of out there in people not using their secondary home? Because I think it's a huge um, niche of the market for professional Airbnb hosts and, and want to be like property manager co-hosts. It's a huge niche of the market that if you can really understand how to appeal to these people, you can find yourself unlimited inventory. That's, that's, I think, the most amazing thing about, about this industry is that you were so focused. Airbnb is going to go public on the 10th or 11th of the month. And you read their S1 and they talk about, you know, about 5 million active homes on their, on their site. You know, they have more listings than that. But, you know, somewhere in that number, 5 million, uh, most of them are outside of the United States. So you, the world we know is so, so small when you look at the amount of inventory that's actually available. So there's a company that just launched, they're called Picasso, and they help people buy a fraction of a vacation home. It was started by uh, the former uh, CEO of Zillow and, and some other people in the real estate industry from Dotloop. And, and they estimate there are 30 million second homes that are used six weeks of the year, but the rest of the time are empty. So 30 million in the US and Europe and UK. And, and these people are waiting to hear from us. You know, they, they have it sitting empty, but they want to rent, but rent on their terms. Some won't. I mean, we're not saying it's that all that's available to us, but when you look at 30 million, like they're just sitting empty, homes are sitting empty compared to the 5 million or so that are active on Airbnb. Like this is where the opportunity is, but you have to understand those homeowner needs and, and overcome them. And it's, you know, trust yeah. and safety is one, but also how is it going to be clean? Show me that spreadsheet. I didn't even know I could make that much money. I don't even know yeah. how the process works. So, I know you've had a lot of conversations for whatever you ended up doing with your company. Um, so if you were in our listener's shoes and you're about to have that conversation, right? Having that goal in mind, what are some of the things that you have seen over time that will make sense to kind of their, their common pen, pain points that you've seen over time and how can they kind of be ready for what comes to mind is like having like an, objection ready from like all my yeah. years of like doing sales and call calling right so but like how do you how would you prepare somebody like what are some things yeah uh you know i think the most important thing is i mean first taking their concerns seriously if you've been in this industry you know that you know in general guests are very good uh you know we 97 percent of our reservations don't have an insurance claim they there's it goes fine and and you know, we know this because we've seen enough, but, but when you ask a homeowner, like you're, you're going to start renting your home tomorrow and someone's going to come from Airbnb or booking.com into your house. What do you think chances are they'll trash it? And you'll hear numbers like 30%, you know, probably one in three, they'll just trash my home. It's like, now it's less than 1% where you're even going to have a problem. And, and that problem is going to be pretty solvable. Now we hear about the horrible situations, but really this is a, this is a, a problem, but it's a manageable problem. And, and just helping them understand that um, you, the severity is less than they think, the frequency is less than they think, mm-hmm. um, but you have to take you know, their concerns seriously. This is, this is the barrier, you know, feeling comfortable with some coming into their house and making sure the house is ready when, when they're bringing their family there for those two or three weeks of the year. 
So, so that's the, the first part. But then the second, you, you know, this industry is, is old. And, and a lot of people, a lot of property managers would overcome that objection by saying, well, I've been doing this 30 years. We're fine. You know, don't worry. Like, we're good. And, and you're just not taking that homeowner's objection seriously or their concerns seriously. And so you really do want the right insurance policy. You, your regular homeowner's policy will cover the home when it's empty, when your friends are staying for free, when you're using it. But the minute you turn it into a business, you know, you're running a little hotel and you need the right insurance coverage. So I, I just don't, don't try to let the odds work in your favor. You really do need insurance for those catastrophes. And, and so your job is to, to help guide them through that process. And it's like, well, you need commercial liability. Here, here are a few options. Oh, and here's what I do because I take this seriously. I understand this house is part of your family's retirement plan. You might retire at this house. This is a, a large percent of your assets and I'm going to protect that. I completely yeah. agree. And I think one of the things that I tell my students is, is that's the, that's their biggest question when they're getting started is what are the objections that I'm going to get from the homeowners? And, and I don't even like saying the word overcoming objections. It's just showing them that you have things under control. And to your point, it's having that plan. So having the right insurance, having the right security cameras, having the noise detection software in the, in the, programs, having the Wi-Fi enabled lock. So you have eyes and ears and control over that property 24 seven to put them at ease. And it's not just, you know, we're just going to throw this thing up on Airbnb and you're going to have a ton of strangers in here and you'll make a bunch of money. It's like that. I understand that, but it freaks people out understandably. So having that right system in place. Now it's a little off topic, but I always love talking to, to founders and CEOs I want to hear more about your journey on actually building safely and what that looked like, right? So you had this had this idea for this company. You did some research. You interviewed a lot of homeowners. You know, what was that process to go from, I, I mean, it's been what, 10, 15 years since you had that idea. So what, what's been that, what's been that journey for you from a, a founder and a CEO standpoint? Yeah, it's a, um, I mean, like most founders and, and even probably everyone here uh, watching this, we're pretty early. You know, even now, vacation home rentals, short-term rentals, this is a new, new phenomenon. Like just the fact that we're getting deep into it, we feel like we're really late. But no, 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 we're still really early. There's so much opportunity right now. And, and you know, similar, similar with, with, uh, with me at, at Safely. So really started to study this industry in 2007. And it, it came because, you know, I was working at a consulting firm at McKinsey and I was in the travel practice. So we only worked, well, I only worked with travel clients. And one thing that really um, struck me probably more than almost anything else is that travel companies act more like asset managers than they do what you'd think of as a hospitality company where they're taking care of you and making you cookies and stuff like that. They're really, there's an airplane that costs hundreds of millions of dollars and you have to build a cash flow from that airplane that's moving from one place to the other. So how you price, how you set a loyalty program, how you choose your route structure, that's all about asset utilization. You know, you have a first class cabin because you can increase the asset utilization, the cash flow on that asset. If you build a hotel, you don't really care if it's a, a Hampton Inn or a Holiday Inn Express, you're, you're buying a piece of land and you need to earn a free cash flow from it. And so just this abhorrence of underutilized assets was what got me really interested in this space. And, and then of course, seeing these 
massively underutilized assets that just that just hurt. So so in business school, I went to London Business School and we did an entrepreneurship summer school. So similar to maybe what a Y Combinator or tech stars would do. And that's where I started to think about and and you know, I was forced to interview all these homeowners. And so w- what came out loud and clear is there's a lot of inventory, but it's just sitting empty. And and so I asked, well, why? And it's like no strangers. But then as I interviewed further, homeowners were letting strangers stay, but they trusted them somehow. So they're letting friends of friends stay, or they're letting someone from work stay, or they were putting something in their university alumni magazine or something at their church. So people were staying, they didn't know, but they trusted them somehow. And that's how we got into this solution. You know, how do we find the right, the right mix? I don't care if it's insurance or data or background checks, what would help you trust this, this guest coming into your house? And we actually started building a marketplace and we, we started about a month before Airbnb started. It was called Trusted Guests, where, where the homeowner could tell us exactly who they trusted. And then we had this algorithm that would only let guests you trust, you see that your house exists and then rent it. And, you know, I, it, we were having problems getting supply. Uh, I mean, every, every marketplace has problems matching supply with demand and it's a really hard thing and once you do it well it works really really well like airbnb and vrbo and all the others but it's really hard to get started and we're having a chat with carl shepherd at at home away at the time he was one of the co-founders and he said andrew you don't need to build another marketplace we're we're fine and you know we're really fine and you're not Um, instead what can you do to make every single reservation just be a little bit safer. Who cares what what marketplace it's on? Can you can you reach into you know all the reservations of the world and just make them safer? And and so in, in November of 2013, that's when we switched our model from a marketplace to safely.com as we know it today, where our mission, any reservation that takes place, we just want to infuse a little bit more trust into it so that um, that the homeowner is more comfortable, it's a friction-free experience and it's, it's a better and safer experience. And walk us through that. Like what is the offering behind safely? So there's an insurance component, which is different than I've ever seen the way that you guys structure that. But then there's some other features like on the front end before the, or as the reservations book. So kind of walk us through what that offering looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it, it really comes from meeting those two needs that we uncovered and we were discussing before who's staying in my house and what happens when something goes wrong? So first we answer that question of who's staying in my house. Uh, we verify the guest's identity. We check um, you know, criminal databases. We check for felonies. We check sex offender lists. We check terrorist watch lists. But most importantly is we have a contributory database of bad guests. Those are people who have destroyed homes that we've seen, that our partners have seen, and they should never rent again without the right supervision. So, so we keep track of that. If we've seen them or our partners have seen them, they're in our list and, and we'll let the, the next property manager know when they show up, you know, go down the street to the next house and to the next house. So, so we make sure you're comfortable with who's staying in your house. Then we provide a primary commercial insurance for, for just the reservation. So it's on a per night or per reservation basis, the guest pays for it. So instead of paying the damage deposit or a damage waiver, the guest is paying this trust and safety fee. And that covers an insurance policy that has three named insureds, the homeowner, 
you, the property manager, and the guest. So everyone's insured for the specific liability related to that rental. And so that covers damage to the home structure, its contents, and it covers bodily injury. So really, if, if it was a homeowner's fault, the property manager's fault, or the guest's fault is going to be covered in the, in the um, you know, under this insurance policy. The guest pays for everything, and it just um, gets rid of that damage deposit. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to go up to your homeowners to ask them, hey, we had a bad guest. Like, can you... Uh, I need to deduct a little bit from what, what you're going to get paid. You don't have to go after the guests to try to, because then they'll give you a bad review if you try to collect from their damage deposit. So, um, so it, it really just covers the things related to that commercial liability, but only when the guest is in the house. And you have a three-day turnaround, I believe, on most. Yeah, most- for claims that are um, pretty simple, which is about 95% of them, we're able to pay if it's under $2,000, we've been averaging just under two days to get that claim into your bank account or the claim payment into your bank account. It's a little bit bigger. It takes a little bit more inspections that, that you invest, you, we're getting them closed out in four days or so. But then bodily injury claims, those can take eight, 12 months because lawyers get involved and they go back and forth and they make money by the hour. And so they like it when this takes a long time and, and we're, we're there for that too. Yeah, that's that's wild, though. I mean, two to four days for most claims. I mean, when I think of insurance claims, I think of this painstaking process of weeks or months at a time where it's like, is it even worth filing it or do I just eat the money? Because it's just so much of my time. But it's the same thing with Airbnb, right? Like when you put a claim through Airbnb is not uh, even if you're completely right, it's never a okay, sure. You know, I mean, like nothing is like that not even your amex like when you dispute your amex it takes longer than, than two to three days you know right i mean we, we've seen thousands and thousands of claims and so we we have a good feeling for what's a legitimate claim and what's not and and look you're in business and cash flow is pretty important and uh and 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 the you know our customers pay a premium for for this product you know they they expect it to be handled well and and you know that that's part of the reason why there's such an interesting opportunity in this insurance industry is, is because of this, you know, this infrastructure they've built and coming at this from not being an insurance person has been, um, I think, really helpful. Like what do customers want? Well, all right, let's give it to them. And, and you know, do the economics work? Yes. Then, then let's make sure everyone's taken care of. Like you're taking care of your guests. We need to be taking care of you. Yeah, I just want to throw one quick thing in E before just while we're on this topic for like something tactical, like best practice for hosts is obviously leverage safely because it's a great product. But then I I would think like as part of that, like in your Airbnb listing or other OTA listings or direct website in the house rules or whatever, put in there like, hey, we run our guests through a background check and it's it it will it's almost like having that like ADT security sign on the front of your house. Like it's going to deter those people from the get-go from even attempting to book your place. Exactly. And, and we, um, yeah, we, we see that, you know, a few people skip out. We're less, um, where we find that the highest risk guests are the ones who are most worried is when, when they know that we're searching a database of bad guests. Those are the ones you, you really have to be careful of because I mean, you, you, if you have enough reservations, you've seen them. Like they come planning to party and they come planning to cause damage. And they know that the ROI, you know, your $250 average daily rate, like that's the best deal they're going to have, like way more, way cheaper per person than going to the 
movies or crashing go-karts or whatever. Like this is, this is a hobby and there are some, th- these are the people we really, really need to keep out. Mm. So Andrew, what would you say if you had to, if you had to solve all the claims you guys kind of go through, right? What percentage is what you just kind of talked about? Like what percentage of kind to educate also, right? Like what the percentage in reality of your claims is actually party related. What is just accidental things? Like what, how many fires have you guys, like have you guys covered? Like where, what's the spectrum there? Yeah, really it, it, it falls into about a third, a third and a third. So about a third of all of our claims, you know, about 1% of reservations um, have like a real insurance claim. Like an accident happened. This is what insurance is for. Like accidents happen. Sometimes they're really big accidents. It could be that fire. It could be someone slips and falls. It could be, you know, a balcony breaks, things like that. Like those, those are real, they're accidents. And, um, and so that's what insurance is for. The next third are uh, what we, we call vacation brain, where, where people are, you know, they're very smart people, I'm sure in real life, but somehow they, they don't think very well in your home. They think that they can hold on to the towel rack and it'll support their weight. They think they don't need to turn off the bathtub when the bathtub's full. They, they don't know how to use your stove. The garbage disposal somehow breaks every 10th guest or so. Like it's, it's just the brain is being turned off. They're out of their environment and they're doing things. They're certainly not intentional, but pretty preventable. But still, that, that should be covered. You know, you, you're the homeowner. You're the property manager. You went there. You didn't cause it. And these are things that need to be fixed. And, and so that's about a third. But then the last third are, are the parties, the intentional acts, you know, people sneaking a pet into the house, people, um, you know, letting their children be really destructive, like not, not just children being children, but you've seen them, children being like monsters and, and then having the parties, you know, getting 40 people into a two bedroom condo, things like that. And that's, that's about a third. Those are the ones we're trying to really eliminate is you know, through the screening up front you know, we love the noise devices, noise aware is fantastic, minute, party squasher, you know, we, we love that too. But but really, th- that's the biggest opportunity. How can we motivate these high risk guests to make good decisions? And instead of bringing the whole bar, uh, when it closes at two o'clock, they bring them to, to your house instead, how do you get them to go to someone else's house to yeah. make those, those guests feel more, more, you know, franchised into the the end result here yeah so what would you say are some good practices that people can put in place to kind of help themselves kind of put checks and balances in place to then help them if a claim does happen right so like what is good things for example like we do the ring right so all of all of those things right so you can actually have evidence i assume evidence is always good um, but what are some other things that you would say you should put this in here yeah and and one one comment about the ring that you know airbnb is very anti-camera that's not disclosed so you know there's a place in your listing or in your in your um account to talk to disclose those cameras make sure you do that because yes. if you are filing a claim with airbnb and you're like hey i have a camera from inside the house um 
and it's not well first of all inside the house isn't cool with them ever but yeah. but you show that as your evidence now you're in far more trouble than than the guest was so so be careful there but but yeah love the ring love the noise detection devices it's um um you the other thing is as you're making an insurance claim sometimes those bigger claims like things are completely destroyed it's like there used to be a couch there and there's not a couch there anymore or there used to be a chandelier and the chandelier is not there. And, and it's, it's really hard. And what makes things easier is if you just take regular inventory of what's in your house. So it's very easy to, to say, Hey, there was a chandelier here and now there's not mm -hmm. um, like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but, but just showing you the pre-state versus the end state really um, avoids a lot of questions and a lot of um, scrutiny because you know, it's, it's always someone's interpretation as to what happened um, as they're looking at, at an insurance claim. Mm -hmm. um, getting really, I think the attitude of assuming guests are not inherently bad, like they wanna make good decisions. They're just in a situation, you know, peer pressure, maybe a little bit too much to drink, you, things like that. Like things sometimes slip away from the guests. And so you wanna give them the tools to empower them. That's why I do like the, the you know, in-stay notifications that a noise detection device can do. It's like, oh, like I'm not happy with how things are going in this rental. My friends are stupid. They're doing horrible things. But that reminder that that you are in charge, I really, I really like that because they will make the good decisions sometimes. Others won't, but but enough want to make good decisions. Um, and then then of course getting this claim in as quickly as possible. One one unique part of our of our industry is you know we have like if you're doing your job well, you have 80% occupancy and you have a guest checking out at 10 a.m. and another one coming in at four o'clock and it's really hard to tie the loss to a specific reservation. So the longer you wait, it just adds a little bit more murkiness into, into the process. You know, Whether you're filing a, filing a claim with Airbnb and they won't even let you file a claim after the next guest has arrived and you know that's, that's really hard to do if that house is five hours away from you. One guest checked out at 10, the next in that four, your cleaning team didn't tell you, like there's no way you can file a claim. So so trying to understand that damage as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I think that that it kind of like the underlining kind of message of this whole this whole podcast is like it, it's very helpful, as we've been saying for a long time now, is to look at this as a as a business, right? So like if you're submitting a claim at work for something. And you're working for somebody else there is there is always a timeline right so you got to establish yourself and give yourself the timelines just as you know big boss is looking behind you you're the boss now and you kind of have to do it because at the same time like people are inherently good i agree that's how i i believe and that's how i see it but also people are inherently prone to take care of themselves so unless you really like have and, and, you know, putting a claim in doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make you a bad host. You also have to take care of what's yours, what you work for. Right. And I think it's, it's very important for you to understand that as to you don't feel bad for submitting a claim. Like it's it's a business like you're not saying, hey, you, Carlos or you, John, are are a bad person. You're just saying whatever the thing happened. I gave you a product. I gave you is if you go to Avis and you rent a car, right? The car, the seats were clean. The seats have your daughter's shiny lipstick on it now. 
I know she's seven, but I can't give this to another family like this, right? So really, like, really separating you as a host and, and the business of running your property and making sure the property is okay. Right. And, and we look at insurance like that's an instrument you have. Like, you should be calling it. Uh, we, we, we hate this mentality that you, like, you have a car insurance policy and like, you're afraid to call State Farm because you know, then your rates will go up. And yeah. and yeah, some people should have their rates go up. Like there are horrible drivers out there and yeah. they should not pay the same as other people. But in general, like bad things happen and you shouldn't be worried about using your, your insurance product, your insurance policy. For example, we'll call uh, property managers who aren't filing claims because we get really expensive if you're not filing any claims. We know how many claims you should be having. And if you're not in that range, you know, you're not using this program the way um, the way it was built, and and now you're probably paying a little too much, um, but you're also still suffering some of those those operational headaches. You know, if you're not using this new pool of money to cover cover these these bad stays, and mm-hmm. so um, you know, we want we want all of our customers to use us an average amount. You know, too much is a little too much, but zero is not okay either. We want it to be you. Know, we we want to be there when you need us and yeah. and make that claim process as easy as possible no and that's great right like if you have check and balances in place actually actually using them and i think that's one of the things that gets hard as you grow in scale is that you'll you'll revert back sometimes and i know i'm guilty of this i revert back to doing things the old way just because i'm in a time crunch and it's going to be faster for me to do it how i've always done it right than getting myself through the process of doing something new even if I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Right. So like, it's also like really like doing that. And I'm kind of saying this out loud mostly for myself to remember um, as I go through the week, but yeah, that's awesome. I think one thing I want to bring up that we talked about last week that I think is great. And I think you said it was in the works um, was a big concern that a lot of hosts have had, especially in the last 12 months was coming up with some type of, cancellation insurance for hosts and guests where, you know, call it from March through late May of 2020. You know, if you were on Airbnb and somebody wanted to cancel, they just approved the cancellation. You were out of money for two, three months. And it was super frustrating for hosts and felt, you know, somewhat abandoned from a lot of the OTAs like Airbnb and whatever. And you guys are working on some type of policy for that where guests can opt in for some type of cancellation insurance so that, you know, if they decide to cancel, they've bought that insurance and we get paid out and they're covered. You got it. Yeah. The thing that's most frustrating to me is, um, you know, you set your rates and they're refundable. They're non-cancelable. However you set them, that's how you set them. You and the guest agreed to those terms. And for someone to come in and say, those terms aren't, like the terms everyone agreed to aren't the terms um, that, that really bothers me. The other thing that I, I hate doing is again, you're in the hospitality industry. You're here to help you know, your guests to be nice, things like that. And then when they come to you and say, you know, my, um, you know, my grandma died or my, you know, my son is sick or, or something like this, you feel horrible. But at the same time, like, like you were saying, um, you have a business to run and, and like your family depends on this income that, that you're doing. Like this is your livelihood. And for someone to just take away um, uh, a reservation at the last minute, um, because a tragedy happens, I mean, it's horrible, but 
but now you have your own tragedy. And, and so we just love having the option of the guest purchasing this trip cancellation or trip protection program because you know, now, now it's on them. We all know that bad things happen in this world. And so they were given an option. You know, it costs 7%, 8% of the total reservation value. And, and then there are some really good cancellation terms. And, and if you can't make it for a very legitimate reason, you, you get your money back. But you as a property manager still get paid. And so you're, you're, um, you've solved that problem. But what I love the most is it takes you out of that position of saying, well, it's fine if this person dies, but it's not fine if you lose your job. You, you're the arbiter of what a bad situation is or not. And so, so that's, that's why I, I love pushing this responsibility off to the guest. And so we were going to launch a program, a trip cancellation program in January. And then as, it, as we were starting to see uh, COVID roll out, uh, it, it was like we were seeing a lot of trip cancellation products not perform. So we stepped back. And we were like, let's let's look at this. Like, are we really covering what, what needs to be covered? So we just launched it a month ago. Um, so we are covering, you know, a lot of COVID-related cancellation causes. It's um, it's ready to go. It's a really solid product. And um, but we did have to sit back and retool it because we you, our world's different now than it was before. But I, yeah. I just love pushing this decision off to the guest. And I love that. And I feel like last week we had uh, Adam Knight, who's a 25 year hotel veteran and talked about the lessons that we can learn from hotels and other things. And trip cancellation insurance is, is not a new concept. It, it's been around in other industries from, you know, travel agencies and uh, airlines and hotels and things like that. And it's just, okay, how can we pull that in to put us on par and level up the industry to again, create that comfort level of, yes, you can purchase this and protect yourself. Or if you don't, these are the consequences. Like if you do have to cancel, it is not refundable, right? It's just, yeah. it's simple. And you know, the, the traditional travel world has so much more access to different rate categories. You're on an airplane, there are a hundred different ticket prices there. You post your rates and there's one rate and one cancellation term. If you want a cancelable flight on Delta, you can get it. And and that's in its own, it, it meets the traveler's uh cancellation needs we don't have that we've got a rate and we can do a little bit with that rate but not a lot and so so there's so many more opportunities in that more mature hospitality world yeah i love that but also i think people are are used to it right so as as airbnb gets more more mainstream i think as as hosts is our our job to kind of keep those things that are in our favor that people have been getting used to and are used to, mm -hmm. right? Like you call Delta, you want to cancel their, their, Hey, you get a credit if you want, but it's not like you called them. And it's like, how can you do this to me? <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> that person at Delta does not care. They're like, sorry, this is just our policy. Right. So it's a business guys. It's That's just, it. it's just a business. Well, before we wrap up with our final question, Andrew, I just want to first say thank you again for, for coming back on here and sharing all of your knowledge with us. And I want to acknowledge you and all the, the blood, sweat and tears that you've put into safely and into this industry as a, a startup, as a founder, as a CEO, I can totally relate to all of those long days and late nights and trial and error and figure things out. And, um, I want to commend you for that and thank you for that. Um, and so the, the final question that we like to ask all of our guests is, 
and I'm, I'm very curious to hear this from your perspective is, is what is the number one secret to success in short-term rentals? Yeah. Number one secret, man. Um, I mean, I, I love that we uncovered that there's like a massive, massive world just sitting out there waiting for us. But, but to me, I think the secret is once you're, once you're running your business, it's, it's to look at the best practices from the, the travel industry, the established travel industry, like hotels used to be like us, you know, holiday inns were popping up along the interstates and they, you know, then the franchise model started and then there started to be big brands and, you know, consolidated brands and, and you, then technology came, the internet came and they figured it all out. And so we can almost look 20 years ahead, you know, in some areas and see what, what, what does our business look like? Um, it, it's almost how you eBay, when it started, it was people selling Pez dispensers, but now there are all these like power sellers and, and eBay is completely different. We're seeing this transition in our industry so I think uh, we have this unique opportunity to look 10, 20 years into the future. Use a channel manager, you know, use, get help with your revenue management, get help with trust and safety, of course, but, but like really optimize pricing and distribution um, technology to make that guest experience better and to inc- improve your operations. They're all out there. They might be a little early for, for short-term rentals, but they're there and, and you have all the tools that, these massive hospitality players have and, and just start to start to leverage them or at least use it as, as a thought starter or, or, you know, a a goal of where you want to be or where you can be with the right amount of tweaking and thinking. Absolutely. And where can folks find out more about you and safely? Yeah. Well, we're at safely.com. And so just come on by, um, you can get a quote for, um, for, uh, you know, our services, depending on your occupancy, your number of reservations, number of homes, we've integrated with a lot of the major property management systems. So if you're there, it's really easy to, to onboard us or us, for us to onboard you, however you want to want to call it. So just come to our, our website. You can send me an email, andrew at safely.com, A-N-D-R-E-W and safely.com. Uh, we have a chat bot. We're pretty responsive during the business day. And, and yeah, just come with all your questions. We'd love to just hear about your business and what your concerns are. And, and because our, our job is to solve that we're, we're pro host. We're not here for the guest. We want to make sure the right guests come, but we're here for hosts. We've started to help homeowners feel comfortable with, with this whole booking process. And so I'd love to just hear from you and tell me what, what else you're looking for, because maybe we can build it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Andrew. Well, thank you. Yeah. And thank you again for being on again. Truly, truly appreciate you. you. Wishing you all the best (laughs) and uh, looking forward to staying connected with you in 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.